All right, so Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer, very familiar prayer. A lot of people have memorized the prayer, um, but breaking it down, I feel like it's kind of given it um, a little bit more meaning and a little bit more power. And when we started this, this series, one of the big overarching themes that we found with prayer is that there's really no wrong way to pray. Because a lot of different people, regardless of your background or faith background, now I was raised Catholic. And so, you know, growing up, I had a rosary. And um, that, that was how I learned how to pray. And um, the CCD classes, and, and that was my start to, to prayer. And we found that when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he didn't, you know, take out a chalkboard. He just started praying. And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father Prayer. And so I'm going to read it, Matthew chapter 6. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is our text today. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Now, I want you to notice right out of the gate, the first half of the prayer, it's you and yours. So the, the first half of the prayer, Jesus is talking directly to God, and, and, he, and he starts his prayer off with God the Father. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so it's, it's, it's directed at God. Now here we're right in the center of this prayer now, and the prepositions change. It goes from yours to ours and us. And so this is where Jesus teaches us to pray for ourselves and our community. The beginning of the prayer was to focus on God, to get God in your minds, our Father, to get this, to know that you're, you're approaching a God who cares about you, you're approaching a God who loves you, you're, you're approaching a good Father. You're not putting in a, um, you know, you're not waiting on a wait list for the CEO that's in the corner office that doesn't have time for you, but you're coming to God as Father who cares about you, who loves you, who has your needs. He knows your needs before you even bring, in, bring them to him. But he teaches us before we ask for anything to, to start with God in our minds. Our Father who art in heaven, describing God, holy, hallowed is your name. And so we start with God and then we move into this daily bread piece, daily bread. And so Jesus teaches us the first thing that we pray for is to pray for daily bread. Now, I would have liked like daily lobster or, you know, or like you know, or daily, you know, red snapper or daily steaks or, but he says daily bread. Daily bread. And the thing about bread is it's like, I don't, I'm not a big bread fan. I, I know some people love bread. My wife is, likes bread. I'm not a big bread fan. I don't think you just eat bread by, by yourself by, or by itself. Like it usually has to have something with it. But there's, there's a reason why he uses the term bread, daily bread. He could have asked for us to pray for a lot of different things. He could have used many different terms, but he used the word bread. And so drilling down into that word, it's, it's got a twofold meaning. The first meaning is exactly what you're thinking. It's food, daily bread. Give us today our, our daily bread. It's, Lord, take care of my physical needs because we all have them. Sometimes we can come to church and we can just, you know, it, it's kind of over our head. It's all transcendental. It's all spiritual and soul, and, and those things are important. But God cares about your, your everyday physical needs, 
God cares about your, the meals that you're eating. God cares about your family down to um, providing food on the table. That's the first meaning of that word bread. It's just wheat and fl- you know, flour and oil and daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. But a little bit deeper in that word bread, it, it, it means it's the bread of God or the bread of life. So not only are we praying for our, our daily needs, our, our physical needs, but underneath that, it's our spiritual needs. And the, the church fathers, the ancients, the, the Tozers and the, um, you know, the, the, the really smart guys that I, I have a hard time reading their, their commentary, they believe that daily bread was really just about our, our spiritual needs. And they, they believed it was more for our soul because there, there are things in our life that the physical world can't satisfy. I think we all know that, that there's, there's, there's desires within us. God has put holy desires within us. There's things within our, our souls that can only be satisfied by God. But I think Jesus cared about both because he fed the, the spiritual needs of people that followed him around but he also fed them physically. One time he used a little boy's lunch, you know, five loaves and a few fish, and they came out there for their souls to be fed. They followed him into the desert. But not only did he feed their souls, then he told the disciples, y'all get some food for these folks. And he worked a miracle. So he, I, think it was a, I think it's a dual role here, that when we ask God for daily bread, when we come to him, not only is it for our, our, within our soul, not only is it medicine for our food, for the, our spirits, but we're also asking God for our everyday physical needs. And I'm so glad that he cares about both. And I'm glad to know that there's a God in, in heaven that's concerned about um, your, your life and what you're eating and how, how things are being, you know, how, how you're being provided for in, in exchange to how you can provide for those that are around you. Now, there's a new term for bread in our culture, and it's money, right? Get that bread, you know what I'm saying? And, so, and I, I really think that praying for bread can be all three. And I, I know we don't talk about money a lot in this church, but money is important, you kind of got it like, I mean, you kind of got to have it to live. Um, if you want air conditioning and all that kind of stuff and want to be able to drive a car. And, and so Jesus didn't say, don't worry about that stuff. But, it, you know, once we focus on God, once we get those things, he says, then it's good to pray for daily bread. Pray for provision for your family. Pray for provision physically, your physical needs, and then also for our spiritual needs as well. But the first thing I want you to catch in this give us today our daily bread is I want you to notice what it doesn't say there. Because a lot of times when I come to God, I try to earn daily bread. Notice it doesn't say pay us today our daily bread. Notice it doesn't say hustle today for your daily bread. Notice it doesn't say fight for your neighbor today. to take the bread that's left. (laughs) Give, give. And it reminds me that there's things in, in my life and in your life that you cannot earn from God. There are things in your life every day that God wants to bless you with that you can't work hard enough to get it. You can't live a holy enough life to deserve it. 
You can't, you know, chess match your way into the blessings of God and try to figure out how to outwork your brother or your sister. No, no, no. When we come to God, the first thing he says when it comes to our needs is to recognize the giver. Because we like to work for stuff from God. We like to earn stuff from God. Right? We, we like to, you know, uh, well, if I pray long enough or if I pray hard enough or if I go to church enough, maybe, maybe I can get these things that I, I really need in my life. But before we even get to that point, we got to stop and say, no, 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 no. There are things that God wants to bless my life with and your life with that you can't earn from a thousand years of obedience. It's simply because God is good. And it's simply because God cares for you. And it's simply because God has your best interest in mind. And thinking about prayer, and I look back at my life and some of the stuff I prayed for, and I'm so glad I didn't get it. You know, I dated a few girls before I met my wife, and I thought they were the ones, and thank God, right, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> that that didn't work out. And when we come to God and say, give, it positions us in a posture of humility. I can't earn this. I can't pray long enough, hard enough, or enough prayers to get this. But I'm coming to God with open hands. Give. James 1 says it like this. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, who does not change, doesn't shift. And so we, a lot of times we can take the mindset that we have in the world because we have to work for a paycheck. We have to work to pay bills. We have to go out and get a job, and that's good, and that's healthy. We're meant to take on responsibility. We're meant to work. But when it comes to God and our needs, he's saying, I don't want you to work for it. I want you to realize that I want to bless your life with these things. Because it keeps us from getting prideful. It keeps us from trying to figure out, well, well maybe I earned this one. <laughs> I did get up and pray a little extra early yesterday, and maybe that's why I made it to work on time. You know, I, I don't know. We, we try to work all these things out in our minds like it's a, a barter system with God. And, and, and I've heard it said that religion, religion is, is man's quest to God, but Christianity is God's quest to man. And there's nothing that we did to deserve this. It's just a blessing. And when we try to repay gifts, we almost discount the gift. You ever had somebody bless you with something so big you felt like, I can't take this. I got to pay you something. You know, let me mow your yard or like, I don't know, walk your dog. <laughs> like, like, like I, I really can't take this gift. But there, I want you to hear this. There are things that God wants to bless your life with. And it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with his goodness. Give. Give. And so every day, God has blessings that he wants to give you. Things in your life that you can't work for, you can't, you know, earn it, but they're just absolute blessings. And the second thing I want you to see is, is the word us. Give us today our, us and our, us and our. So he didn't teach his disciples, Jesus didn't teach us to pray for our own personal needs. And there'll be times when I, I know that that happens. And I don't say, I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But he's saying that when we approach God and we start praying for our needs to kind of expand our scope. 
and think about our brothers and our sisters and our communities. And I want you to, I want you to see this, that there's, there's gifts that God wants to bless your life with that are so abundant that you have to share them. You don't believe it. <laughs> there are things that God wants to bless your life with that, that, that you have so much, you've got to give it away to fit it in the boat. That, that when it comes to approaching God, we're approaching a God who has more than enough, who's able to, to bless us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could imagine or think. Now, it's hard to, to, to think about that with a, with a scarcity mindset. But we're coming to, the, to a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We're coming to a God who's endless, that he doesn't go where, anywhere to get the supply. He is the supply. And he's saying, the blessings that I want to give you every day are, are so big and they're so large that, that you're going to need to share it in order to handle it. That the blessings of God are meant to be shared, not hoarded. There's a principle there. I think as Christians that we're called to be funnels, not buckets. That when God pours blessings into our lives and when God blesses us, it's not just meant for us. That oftentimes it's, it's if, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And so he wants us living with an open hand. He wants us living every day knowing that there's more where that came from. You know, the, I think the, the mindset of the world is a scarcity mindset, that if I, if I win, you have to lose. Or if I lose, somebody else is going to win. But we're serving a God who is so abundant that's the source of all good things, that it's the source of life. He's a wellspring of life. And when God begins to bless us and when he really blesses us, the greatest thing we can do is just live with open hands. And we notice like there's a pattern with the miracles when Jesus would multiply things. He, it, it, it's, he, it's the same pattern over and over. He would take the bread, the last supper, when he, when he fed those thousands with that young boy's lunch, he would take the bread, he would break it, but then he would give it. And there's a, there's a key to more. It's called the law of measures. There's a key to more. The people that I know in my life are, that, are, that are some of the most blessed people are the most generous. They're the most generous. They understand that everything that comes into their life is a gift. And really on this side of eternity, we don't own anything. We're stewards. And so as God pours more into our life, oftentimes it's, it's, it's the key to, to seeing God continue that is to live with open hands and take into consideration those that are around us that have needs that maybe we can help. It's really hard to pray for daily bread or to keep that daily bread, knowing that there's somebody around us that's hungry that can use what we have. And that's why Jesus says, us, us. That it's, it's more than just about me, it's more than just about you. Luke 6, this, this law of measures, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be, it will be put into your lap for the measure that you use It'll be measured back to you. And so when God pours out blessings, he uses a big spoon. He uses a big spoon. That when he gives us more than we can handle in our life, oftentimes it's for somebody else and not for us to store up. 
daily bread. I think Jesus used bread for another reason. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, God's people were in bondage for 400 years to a guy named Pharaoh. And he was a, he was a bad guy. He was a, a tyrant. He hurt the children of Israel. He was murdering their families. He was, he, they were enslaved to this guy for generations and generations and generations. Finally, God said, I've, I've heard your prayer. I'm gonna deliver you from this, this tyrant, this dictator. And the way that he did that was through a man, was through a man named Moses. And he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you out through the Red Sea into this promised land, but you're gonna, you're gonna have to walk through the wilderness for a little while. Now, take into consideration these uh, 400 years of bondage had really affected their minds. They ate when Pharaoh said they could eat. They went to work when Pharaoh said that they would go to work. They were in fear their entire lives, and it was passed down from generation to generation to generation. So God had to rework their minds. And the way that he did it was how he fed them. It said that every day, because they, they were freaking out. They were, you know, they, they, they went through the Red Sea. Everybody was clapping and singing. And then millions of people looked at, at Moses and said, did you lead us out here to die? We had food in Egypt. They forgot about the bondage and the murders and the, and, and the killings and the, and the slavery, but they were just afraid for food because it was a mindset. You know, when you've gone through a trauma or you've gone through things in your life, it's really hard to come out on the other side, even when somebody takes you out of that situation and puts you in a safe place. And that happened to them. And this was God's promise to the children of Israel in the book of Exodus. I'm gonna just... Read it to you. The Lord told Moses, behold, I'm gonna rain bread down from heaven for you and the people will go out and gather a day's portion every single day that I might test them whether they will walk in my ways or not. So why daily? I think it, came, it comes down to a mindset that they lived in fear for so long, they lived in this, with this bondage in their lives that they couldn't trust God for their tomorrow. And so the way that God worked them out of that mindset was I'm gonna put food on the ground every single day, but here's the trick, here's the kicker. If you take more than you need for one day, it's gonna rot in your tent. And so every morning they got up and it was just bread on the ground, I mean, man, and, and, and it, was, it wasn't really, it didn't really taste good. The word in Hebrew is, what is it? Apparently it tasted like olive oil. Go home this afternoon and get you a little cup of, you know, a little, little uh, cap full of olive oil and drink it and see what you think about it. It wasn't really, it didn't taste good. But again, this was God trying to work this mindset out of his people because they came out of Egypt. They came out of bondage but Egypt didn't come out of them. And so they had to learn to trust God every single day for their needs. They went from a fear mentality and God was instilling a faith mentality into them. Every day, I want you to get up. And then somebody tried it, they kept too much and it said worms got in it and, and the next day. You, you couldn't keep more than what you needed for that day. Give us today our daily bread. That lets me know, and I believe there's a correlation here, that every day there are things that God has for you. 
that you need every day, that the provisions of God for your life are daily. And I would really love for that verse to say, give us annually our annual bread. I would really love for that verse to say, give us this week our weekly bread, or give us this quarter our quarterly bread. You know, okay, you know where I'm going? Give us this year our yearly. Like, I would really love for that verse. Can I just take a pill, come back next year, have everything I need kind of spiritually and all my needs met? I mean, I would love for that verse to read that way, but it doesn't. It's every day. We get up and we trust God every day. We get up and we trust God every day that the provisions of God are daily. They're not weekly, they're not monthly. And that's hard to learn, especially if you've come out of a background that was, you had to work for everything you had. Or maybe you went to bed hungry a lot. Or maybe you've been through some trauma or you've been through, see, everybody has an Egypt. Everyone in here, everyone in here has a Pharaoh. That before we came to God, we were, you know, before we came and were liberated by, by, by Jesus, we had some stuff in our life that told us what we were going to do and when we were going to do it, whether we want to realize it or not. And so God wants to work us out of this mentality to a mentality of daily trusting him for our needs. And that's really where anxiety lives. That's where worry lives. After this prayer, Jesus connects praying and anxiety. He says, this is why you're worried all the time because you're living in tomorrow because you're worried if you're gonna have enough to pay your bills. And you're worried if you're gonna have enough to eat. And you're worried if, you're, if that doctor, what he told you is, is gonna come to pass. And you're worried about your physical health. And you're, you're worried about your children. And you're, he's saying, no, 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 no. Stay out of tomorrow. Depression's in the past, anxiety's in the future. I want you right here. Amen. Give us today our daily bread. After World War II was over, the Allied armies that were remaining, they gathered up a bunch of orphan children. And you can imagine with all with the war that had taken place and the thousands that had died, there were kids without without families, without parents, and they didn't know what to do with them. And so they gathered them up and they put them into these camps. And one of the things that they did to try to, to, to help with the trauma they had just been through was they had this kitchen full of food for these kids. They could eat anytime they wanted. And they found for, you know, a few weeks went by and the children were just not sleeping because they had just gone through a world war. You know, nobody, I know maybe some people in here have seen uh, that kind of conflict, but these kids lived through a, a tragedy and it affected their minds. And even with a kitchen full of food and the doors unlocked, they weren't able to sleep. And so a psychologist that was there at one of the camps decided to try something. He says, I, he gave all the kids a piece of bread and he says, I want you to take this piece of bread and I want you to put it under your pillow, but don't eat it. If you get hungry, get up, go to the kitchen. It's open, it's unlocked, there's food 24 seven. But that piece of bread, I want you to put it under your pillow and I want you to know not to eat it. 
and they found the kids started sleeping again. And what was keeping them up at night was wondering if they were going to have anything to eat the next day. Because they had been through so much trauma and so much war and so much pain, they had to fight for everything they had up to that point, and they couldn't even fathom their needs being provided for the next day. Now, maybe you've never been through a war, but maybe you've lost sleep over wondering what was going to happen tomorrow, if you were going to have enough, if God was really going to come through for you. And the enemy works. He's the father of lies. That's his workshop. That's what he did. He wants you to live in fear all the time and believe that tomorrow there's not going to be enough left for you. And so you better get anxious and hustle and scratch for everything you can get today and put it up in barns and store it up because there's a, there's a, there's a conflict coming. There's a war. That's, that's the mindset the enemy wants you living with, fear-based all the time. But Jesus invites us into a different way of living. That the bread, physical needs, food on your table, spiritual needs, food for your soul, he wants to give out every single day. And the mark of spiritual maturity, in my mind, is not self-sufficiency, it's God-sufficiency. That daily bread reminds me that I'm God-dependent I'm not self-sufficient. And that's where he wants us to live. Because when, when, we, when we live with this mindset of I'm, I'm, I'm God-dependent, that what I need, God will provide for me every day, it, it, it eliminates this pride. It eliminates this mindset of, well, if I can just work hard enough and save enough money and, and do enough things and buy enough houses and get secure enough, then I'm safe. But the reality is it's just not true. <laughs> You're safe when you're trusting God with your life every day. That's the safest place to live. That come, come the storm, come hell or high water, doesn't matter. I'm trusting God with my life every day. The diagnosis, I know it's there, but guess what? I'm trusting God with my life every day. I got more month than I have money and it's not looking good, but you know what? What were you doing? I'm trusting God with my life every day and bread doesn't really taste good manna didn't either and it's in these daily disciplines it's in these daily rituals and i know you all have you may be driving to work and you're in your you got god in your mind you're praying maybe you're at school and you're walking up to the your first class and you're just you know that everything you have in your life is from him it's in the dailies, daily bread. I used to have this dog. She was an English bulldog, a great dog. Her name was Sadie. And um, actually, she's probably my, one of my favorite dogs. She, she lost her eyesight towards the end of her life and got really where she couldn't do much for herself. When we first moved to the beach, I, my neighbors would call me several blocks over. Hey, Sadie's on our front porch. You know, I'd let her out to use the bathroom, and she would just wander around, and, um, but she was a good dog. And Anyway, she got sick, so I had to give her medicine. And, and, and the way that I would do it is when I would give her this, this medicine, every, I had to give it to her every day. She, somehow she knew. Like, she, I couldn't just give her the, the medicine. Like, I had to hide it. And I would hide it 
in loaves of bread. And that would be the only way that I could get to her what she needed because she wouldn't eat it on her own. And when I thought about this verse, when I thought about why did Jesus use the word bread? Bread doesn't taste good. Nobody just eats bread all the time. And have you ever woke up to pray and just thought, I've read this verse a hundred times. I've prayed about this a thousand times. I've taken communion 28 times and I still ain't healed. But this one time might be the time where God's hiding your medicine in the bread. And it tastes exactly the same. And it's the same bread you've been eating for the last 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. Do you see what I'm saying? That there's more in the bread than what we realize. There's more in this coming to God every day and saying, all right, Lord, thank you for waking me up. I'm grateful for another day. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of stuff on the agenda, but I want to just, I want to start my day with you. There's something about that because God is hiding stuff in the bread, even when we don't even like the taste of it and we're just doing it to do it. There's things in the bread that we don't realize is there. Deuteronomy chapter 33 says it like this, as your days are, so shall your strength be. So why is it important to start my day off with God? Because he might be putting something in the bread that morning or in the verse or in your one-year Bible app or whatever it is that you do that you really need that day. And it's not a five-course meal. It's not lobster. It's not steak. It's not tofu for all my vegans. I don't know if it's... But it's the same Bible you've been reading your whole life. It's the same, it's the same our father you've been praying since you were a kid. But that day, there might be something else in it. So I want you to take that communion. It should be right there in front of you. And Jesus said this in John chapter six. He calls himself bread. He declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. So Jesus is saying that he's bread. Does anybody know where Jesus was born? Say it out loud. Bethlehem, right? Who who knows what Bethlehem means? The house of bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It starts with him and it ends with him. And so this is what I want you to do. Just take that communion and take that bread out. I'm gonna ask Austin to come up. He's gonna pray over the cup. It's like a, the first little wrapper gives you the bread. And just take that, put it in your hand. I'm gonna pray over that bread. Father, we thank you that you are the bread of life. We thank you that in you, we live and move and have our being. We thank you that we may have taken communion a thousand times, but this communion here may be the one that brings healing to our bodies, healing to our families, healing to our minds. You said your body was broken for us so that we could be put back together. And maybe you're here this morning and there's some things out of place in your life. This could be the bread. This could be the moment where by faith you touch the hem of his garment. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for this bread. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. You can take the bread. Austin's going to lead us. Here, you got it. As we take the cup, you guys can go ahead and start to open that. It says in the New Testament that when Jesus died for our sins and he shed his blood, that was once and for all. That was a one-time event that never has to happen again. His blood has covered over every single one of us if we would just put our faith in him. We're talking about daily bread. Jesus died once and for all, but that doesn't mean that we only remember it once. We only remember it when we take communion. We need bread and water, sustenance every single day to keep us alive. So as we take this cup and you go into tomorrow, you go into lunch, you go into breakfast tomorrow, drinking coffee, eating bread, whatever it is, Jesus wants, to, wants us to remember his sacrifice, what he did for you and what he did for me once and for all, but that he gives once every day. There's new mercies every single morning for you and for me. So let's take the cup and bow our heads. Lord, thank you for sending your son to sacrificially die on a cross somewhere that no man would dare to go but your son, Jesus, innocent, spotless, blameless, walked up that hill and bore every single one of our sins so that we could be spotless and blameless before you. I pray as we drink this cup, we do it in remembrance of what you did, knowing that you have provided for us, you will provide for us, you are faithful, you are the definition of faithful. You will never fail us. You will never leave us wanting or lacking anything that we need. You are a good father. Thank you for our daily bread. Thank you for being here with us today and being present with us today, helping us not look back at our yesterday or look ahead at our tomorrows. You're right here. We thank you for that. It's in your son's name and his precious blood that we pray. Amen.